And hello there, welcome to episode 14 of Poet Waffle, where me, Daniel Cockrell, invites a poet round my house for a chat. And during that chat, we explore the visceral space between fact and fiction, which I believe is more of a feeling where poets use their emotions to navigate the world and hopefully reveal certain truths that are neglected by those other fields. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome into the Waffle Shed, poet, spoken word artist, activist, poet in education, musician, street artist. Gobshite. <laughs> the list goes on. Uh, it's Pete Beard, Pete Bearder, yeah. also known as Pete the Temp. Yeah, hello. Thank you for very happy to be here in the Waffle Shed. Brilliant. Very happy. Uh, thanks for coming. Um, so I usually start off the waffle or the chat with, you know, I've just had a list of things um, from poet to activist. Mm. Uh, most people sitting here, I, I think I've found one poet, but I, I believe they're poets. But when they've sat down, they've said, actually, they feel uncomfortable with that title. Uh-huh. Do you recognise uh, those titles or what? If you had to tell someone what you do, what, where do you usually go with that? Yeah, well, I'm tactically a poet sometimes. I'm tactically Pete the Temp. I'm tactically Peter Beard. I'm tactically spoken word artist, you know. I mean, uh, yeah, we adopt the, these labels according to to the arena that we're moving in, don't yeah. we? Sometimes, you know, we don't want to say that we're a poet because we don't want people to think we're, that we're wankers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but sometimes we're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a spoken word artist. I, I, I'm a poet. So, uh, you know, we create these little walls around these little territories. They're, they're, they're very arbitrary, these things. Yeah. According to the to the place and the time and history that you're in, yeah, yeah. you know the concept of what poetry and 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 we need them so that we can get funding or so that we can have our own section of the brochure at the Ed Fringe or yeah, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, yeah. Uh, we perpetuate them and, and we perpetuate our own otherness with the, with the, the, the labels that we give ourselves. Yeah, it's fascinating, yeah. really. I mean, Zia uh, Ahmed in the last episode, he said something really interesting about the re. Uh, the more the established prizes or the establishment of poetry, uh-huh. um, they they don't give us the uh, the title of poet, but they mm. might call us urban poets, right. or more recently spoken word artists. But to actually, so we kind of shy away from it because we think, oh, actually, no, we're we're this underground poet uh, rather than the real thing. That's uh, it. Is, is that-, that a is that something you recognise? Well, well, in some ways, I think we're moving towards the post-spoken word era because many people are because you're seeing emerging of worlds, page and stage, and and you're seeing um, you're seeing people reject that label because you know they want yeah. to earn earn the title of poetry. And poetry has been remade by yeah. performance poetics. So, um, but sometimes spoken word so it kind of depends who you are and when when you are really because I mean some some people re- reject it because it, spoken word is quite a racialized term sometimes right, right? right, right. depending on where and and, and, who, and who you're speaking to yeah yeah and so so some of my my friends who are poets of color are like well I mean I remember coming across a literature festival once and had the spoken word section <laughs> and it really spoken word because it had like a couple of poets who were uh, uh, who were black exactly and it's yeah, like yeah, well yeah, yeah. hang on I know those poets <laughs> and they've both got a creative writing degrees and and they're both published authors so like why is it a spoken word yeah. like, do you know what I mean I don't know 
yeah. No, exactly. I've, yeah, that that rings very true. And um, I don't know where I met you, but I'm. And I don't know. But where, I really wish it, I hadn't. But <laughs> I, I, I know. Yeah. But no. Yeah. I, but I think. I think I probably first saw you at Bang Said the Gun, ah. whether you came along there, or did I see you outside of that and then invite you along? Have don't you know. got a better memory than me? I don't know. It might have been it might have been Rob that booked me for that, but I think right. it was Bang Said the Gun. Though. And I think I did, 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 did a poem about sperm cells and, and got someone up on the, on the stage <laughs> to become a sperm cell as part of the finale. I remember it being a lot of fun. Those were heavy yeah, days yeah. back then. But I started off with Rob... Um, on, on on the cabaret scene and we were doing like comedy open mics way back in right. the day about 15 years ago yeah 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 because um, you're one of those people who you're like Robert where you can you can transcend those those titles so you can be on a comedy stage you can be on a poetry stage uh, you can be on quite a serious panel uh-huh. discussing poetry mm. um, so yeah so you know I don't know where I'm going that really, but I, no, I, I, was, I was probably thinking about you know how you got into mm. uh, this way of working and you know making the living from from what you do. Yeah, I mean it keeps changing. I don't really know. Every year it kind of changes, isn't it? You have to keep reinventing what it is that you do. Yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. like, um, okay, I can travel around the country and do twenty minute sets and 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 do funny material and get people, but. Actually, now what's going to keep me interested in this is like writing a non-fiction book about about spoken word, which is yeah, what I'm yeah. do, which I'm touring around at the moment. Or maybe I just want to go and take a sabbatical and work as a street musician in Berlin, which is what I did a few years yeah. back. Just because I've just was your in... was your street musicianship or your busking was that was mm. that the first thing you did really? Is that how you got into it, or was well, you doing stage stuff before that? I mean, my journey into it was I, I was doing uh, I, I was doing like I was singing silly 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 songs that I wrote open mics when I was living yeah. in Oxford in my twenties, and then uh, and then I discovered uh, hammer and tongue slams, and I right. wow, I want to oh, do yes, that. Course, and right, then yeah. I started really getting into the words and, and and abandoning the music, and then I'm like, oh, I want now I've got like I can have you know I can have people making noise, and I can like I can do words at people, but actually. You no, I could make people dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so then I taught myself to beatbox. Got myself a loop station, so I could be a one-man band. You know, yeah. po- poets and are not great in band members. We tend to be quite lonely in the way that we work. So I used to, I, 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 I used to be in a one-man band, but, but we split up over musical differences. Uh, so I got myself a loop station, and then I was doing education stuff in London and burnt out. So I'm like, I'm going to go to, I'm going to put everything on a trolley and go and and, and just stand on the side of street corners and yeah, parks yeah. In, in Berlin and, and, and just but that gave me a lot actually being a street musician where you've got it is the hardest performance arena because yeah. you've got uh, uh, the acoustic I mean you've got an endlessly big performance arena with, with which you've got to compete with noise and to fill the energy with and you've got people who will come along I mean anyone who's performed at a festival will know this right <laughs> no one's no one's paid to come in that in, in that in that tent if you're not going to keep them they're going to walk away right so yeah. um, uh, it, and it's, it's especially pronounced on the streets. You know, you learn. They are your teacher. Everyone who walks off, anyone who stays, like you. Go, like, how can you keep them in? How can you make the transition between songs? You know, how can you like find some way of of creating an event, right? Yeah. Um, uh, and and holding and engaging oh, them the whole time. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, and the performance come downs and the spiritual yeah. journey and yeah. the hero's journey every day. First set, shit. Second set, okay. Yeah. Third set, great. Fourth set, too much. You know. 
so it's like uh, it was really it's really really interesting. Um, also, because on the streets, you you'll be performing to an age range of four to ninety four. Right. Yeah. You'll yeah, have yeah. you'll in the same audience. You'll have a, a, a street homeless person and very often millionaires in yeah. the same audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you can say like uh, you know uh, what I love about working on the streets is you'll have a homeless person and a millionaire. Do we have any millionaires? If you're in London, very often someone will put their hand up. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, and yeah, you'll yeah. have you'll have different species as well. You know, you'll have dogs, dogs. and they'll they'll come in. You'll have some bants with the dogs. You'll have sample the dog on the loop machine. Or, you know, like so, like because as artistic subcultures, we we get to us get, get to ourselves according to age, or very often yeah, to yeah. class, yeah, you know, yeah. ethnicity sometimes. So like we go, we we, we turn we burrow off into our little rabbit holes on the streets. You've got everyone there. Yeah, yeah. And I I see you know I see that. Um, you know the variety. You were talking about the variety on comedy stages and working with Rob. I, I having done Bangs of the Gun and oh. starting it in a pub, um, before spoken word really became the thing. Mm. The variety of performances was much. It was it was much bigger than oh. what it is now, and because we've moved just because we had to to make more money to move into that theatre arena, uh-huh. we are now playing to those white middle class audiences. And we are like, okay, this is different now. So you've you've taken it the other way. You you went, okay, I'm going to stand on that. And now I've got everyone, you know. And right, it's right. kind of an amazing, you know, it's amazing so, thing. It's so much fun to just be a bit silly with it, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you sometimes you want to you want to do serious personal stuff, and you want to be you know quite literary, and that's okay. You know, if I'm writing a book of poems, but uh, yeah. But even your silly, even your silly stuff that you you that you would have started writing those silly songs, they always had a they always had a serious point to them right right right. you've yeah, always yeah. been like okay someone's taking advantage of us Spoon, or someone, right you know, Spoon, yeah yeah so then on the surface they might have seemed frivolous right. but underneath they uh you know they had a serious message i think Spoon's full of sugar i mean when i started writing um uh, political material yeah. i was like, a young angry idealistic poet and i was writing you know i was really like didactic and it was kind of like having the guardian read to you <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it was like loads of facts, and it was like loads, and it's like I how like to put, that idea. How, yeah, yeah. Like, well, maybe yeah. Rap Guardian rap. There's a stage show in, in there, isn't it? It's like yeah, yeah. the best of the Guardian in rap form. Every day at Edinburgh, reading <laughs> the Guardian. <laughs> oh, but it's like yeah, it's kind of like how to put people off their own opinions. Rat, you know, like, <laughs> rant, rant your opinions. I did, and say, I did agree with you, and no. right, right, yeah. And it's like, um, I think I'm going to run with that Guardian idea. But it's like, <laughs> it's go- it'll be there, so like, we'll I'll edit it out, so no one can yeah, yeah. steal it. <laughs> um, so it's like, I mean, yeah. So like the funny, the spoonful of sugar. If you're going to do serious things, especially because you you're managing the attentional resources of, of the people in the room, you have to you have to remember that they have bodies and and that they they they're there for. And it's a social occasion, so they yep. need to oscillate together, you know. And you can, if you could get them breathing together, get them calling together, you get them laughing together, then then you can have the poignant moments. So you're no, kind exactly. of orchestrating yeah, yeah, that energy. Yeah. And comedy is a comedy and musicality is one one way that we can do that. But it's interesting you said about like how it's changed over the years. It's it's true now as 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 spoken word artists, we're performing in galleries, we're performing in theatres, yeah. and you know you're like put your hands in the air, make loads of noise, and they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, uh, and um, so yeah. Um, is there too much poetry in spoken word? That's that's a, that's a provocation. I want to put that out there into the world. When I started, there were people like uh, AF Harold. He's still out there. Yeah, yeah. AF Harold, uh, Rachel Pantechnikan, yeah. and dra- drag with 
props and character acts and Chloe poems and yeah. it it was more you know and that was still had echoes of the alternative cabaret scene of the 1980s and that experimentation do you know that that willingness to take risks and really stretch out the performative elements of our craft yeah, yeah. Is, is is gone a lot yeah, now yeah. because we we've moved closer to the kind of safe literary and it's great because now mm. we're writing books and 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 we're doing uh, we're we're studying the craft you know of of assembling verse on the page which is really important in the dual kind of uh, art form of of, yeah. of writer performer uh, however you know, where are the character poets? Where are the people, you know, with props and random things? Is it, and is it because it became a business and people recognised, oh, I can, make, I can make my living here. And right. suddenly, if you are Rachel Pantetican, maybe you're not going to get booked to be at the tape. And that's a real shame. You know, that, that's my thing. Uh, for right, me, for right, me right, right, right. why is Rachel Pantetican not going to win a major poetry award? Because it's seen as frivolous or not as good as the the more serious stuff in, you know, in speech bubble. I, it's, mm. um, why is John Hegley, mm. who changed the landscape of poetry, why is he not seen as a bigger influence as Seamus Heaney? Why is it, it's because it's, it's seen as frivolous in some way, even though they, they miss the genius of it or, or what it is yeah. saying underneath the surface of, of that. Um, That's why we have to find a way to um, accredit ourselves and to review ourselves yeah. and to uh, and to critique ourselves because otherwise it's going to be on the terms of the establishment. Yeah. And what, and what you've done, which is an amazing thing, is because a lot of poetry and let's call it the spoken word scene yeah. um, are are people from the underclass. It's giving those people a voice. So, it, you know, it's people of black background, working class backgrounds that wouldn't have this, this stage. And now they've been given this stage and there's a lot of places that you can go and do it. Mm. And what you realised was it wasn't written down. It wasn't being recorded. And lots of voices were being lost over the years that mm. were, uh, were only through word of mouth. And it'd be like, oh, do you remember... The guy used to stick his paper, ah. his head in a paper bag, and so yeah. you took it upon yourself whilst you were sat in. I don't know. It, it, uh, was well, you in I've a squat in Berlin or a bed? I've been, I've been sitting over the last. Yeah, in, um, in Berlin. Where would you stay? You know, oh yeah, no, I was yeah. in Berlin, and I, yeah. well, I got back, I got back from Berlin to to tour my 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 Burning Eye book of of poetry, and I'm right. like, oh man, I've been reading so much stuff and geeking out. So I just did, didn't do any poetry for a year in Berlin. Just took a, a year out because. It's quite nice just being nobody on the side of the street and yeah, not yeah. have my art mediated by websites and, and all of the rest of it. And but I I was geeking out and I was I was reading lots of books about my craft. Yeah. And and lots of YouTube videos and things that to kind of deepen my knowledge about about it without actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um and then I got back and I'm like, oh, fine, I could write a book. In fact, you know what? That's exactly what I'm going to do. Um, and it's, it, when I fell in love with spoken word about 15 years ago, I went to Hammer and Tongue Slam. And I'm like, it was raw, visceral, political, out there. Yeah. You know, I was learning about lesbianism and radical politics. And yeah. it was like Mancunian kind of, um, uh, uh, who is it? Who is it? Um, 
Thick Richard were, yeah, the, yeah. were there, and I'm like, yeah, wow, yeah. this is like really fucking edgy and, and, and provocative and funny and making me think, and I, I want to do that. And I was look because I'm a because I'm a I'm a chin I'm a chin scratcher. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to I wanted to stroke my beard and like geek out about this stuff. Yeah. And I was I was trawling Amazon. I was trying to find books. I was going in, into libraries. I couldn't find anything on the bookshelf that yeah. was talking about what I was seeing on stage. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. I know how fucking complex and how how skillful people like Mark Wynne Jones yeah, are yeah. people who've yeah, been yeah. for decades yeah. have been working out how to impress metaphor onto the human nervous system yeah. using rhythm using musicality using pauses using eye contact yeah, yeah. and it's like I couldn't find anything that was talking about poetry as that is so you wrote <clears throat> stage invasion poetry mm. and the spoken word renaissance um you sort of explained why you thought it was a good idea. Was oh. it a good idea? Did you, when you were going through it, you were just like, "What am I doing?" Or did it? Did you actually? Did it flow really nicely, and you got to? Uh... It was. I mean, it was. A, it was a. It, that, that's it's a big book. That's three hundred yeah. annoyingly three hundred um, uh, uh, and sixty-eight pages. I think uh, not three hundred sixty-five. But um, <laughs> uh, it, it, it was a physical labour. I mean, right? Just like I mean, for the last two months of writing it, it took me two years research and writing oh, yeah. and in the last two months I was up till like 2, 3, 4 sometimes 5am in the morning I mean it, if I ever write a book again it's not going to be that long but it's certainly <laughs> the, the best thing I've ever done it's got oh, like right. 450 odd uh, academic references in it I interviewed and corresponded with about 80 80 poets and poetry activists and it was a huge indulgence because so little has been written about this subject it's yeah. about the history science and art of live literature performance poetry right so it because so little has been written about it the temptation is to write everything do you yeah. know what I mean yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, I had to just you know I spent a month or two writing chapters I ended up just cutting because like no this is too big yeah uh, but it but it's good I mean it, it's a primer really the book and and more focus needs to go into every single one of those chapters more disagreement needs to happen uh, and and to expand on it well I think it's probably a catalyst as you say from each chapter of here someone's going to write a, a hopefully write another book about one of the chapters in here so you've you're you're you know you're going to be the the center of it and these well, things are going to spawn off of this i'll hopefully. be one of the nodes i wouldn't like to call myself the center yeah. uh, right yeah. now there are about four or five other books being written I've seen, in the yeah. uk you've yeah, got yeah. ktr's you've got hannah silver's just finished her incredible um uh, um uh, uh, PhD thesis she's going to turn that into a book at some point yeah. she's had a kid so she's got a lot on her plate at the moment yeah. um, you've got uh, Jack McGowan Lucy English edited collection coming out um, uh, next next year as well with Rutledge so so it's almost like Gaia has gone now and the big <laughs> finger has come out of the sky and it's like not that I'm like the chosen one or anything but it's just gone now we will talk about spoken word and yeah, suddenly yeah. you know the, the, the conversation is caught up with everything that's happening on, on stage yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, it's really exciting because you, you have you know, this conversation that's happening to the side, to the periphery, where people are able to talk about it and dissect it. And that is how poetry grows. It's yeah. not just about the practitioners. No, exactly. Because yeah, when, yeah, I'm, yeah. when I'm interviewing yeah, yeah. Some, of the, some of the best spoken word <clears throat> artists in the country, many of them are not equipped. They don't really have a language to, t to talk about it. And I know yeah. they're experts, yeah. but they don't... Um, and you kind of need that because if people are going to learn from them, they need to be able to put a name to what's happening. Well, you wouldn't expect the electrician or the bricklayer to write the book right. on how to lay the bricks or right. or do the do the instructions or how to put an oven in. You uh -huh. know, it's that, isn't it? You know, uh -huh. you need someone else to do that. Yeah. And 
Yeah, so amazing. Well done. And oh, I don't much. know if we met, did you mention Tim Wells in that as well because he he has Tim a little Wells. blog of you know he puts in old newspaper excerpts from the NME and stuff of when you know spoken word probably you know probably came from that you know from yeah. that era as well. So yeah. that's the uh, ranters in the eighties and, and yeah. the punk poets. I mean, like Tim Wells is is, is um uh, the spoken words. Main archivist, really, because he's got this blog that's been running for many, many years, yeah. uh, and he's been putting up historical materials. So that was a big resource when I was researching the book. Also, you've got the Apples and Snakes archive as yeah. well that Russell Thompson yeah. uh, 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 has been working on. So there's that resource. There's all these new um, archives popping up so that we can actually now look at this and uh, and have a historical record of all the amazing things that we're seeing on yeah. stage. And maybe technology caught up <clears throat> and has allowed us to do it. You know. Yeah. You know, printing a book like yours maybe wasn't possible right you know five years ago because you had you know digital printing wasn't a thing but now you can uh, do it cheaply it's just like right. okay we can do this stuff and, yeah and get it out there so maybe that's a reason why all of a sudden we we've got artists going oh can we can make this happen uh-huh okay yeah do you know what time it is pete uh, no idea no idea it is time for the big question <laughs> So you've gone for your big question. So, so I'm trying to think what big questions usually are. You, they can be something along the lines of what is the most important thing to teach a child, for example. Um, but your big question is, what is the purpose of art? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question. Are you able to uh, reveal just anything on that, or is okay, it just? Okay, I'm, uh... I'm just wheel back the, <laughs> the curtains, the red curtains of your mind. So here's a stab, right? Um, take poetry as a case study. Poetry is the artful assemblage of words to affect change on the human consciousness, right? So you're manipulating symbols, you're manipulating words and sounds to have an effect to get people to think or to feel. Or to see something differently, right? Um, and I'm going to compare this to the um, the Alistair Alistair Crowley's famous definition of of um, of magic, which he describes as as the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with will. Okay, the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with will, and that he's talking both about ritual magic. And about the mundane everyday everyday magic, right? That 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 is just more to day to day interactions, right? So I would I would suggest that because we live in a post a late capitalist society, we've been through industrialization, we've been we've been torn from the land and all of the mystic, mystical associations and. Uh, 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 and pagan associations associated with that. We live in a very linguistically, a very technocratic society. And I think we've lost the due reverence to talk about language and how magical it is. Right? Terence McKenna talks about um, how, uh, what is it? Yeah, no, language is, is a tele, uh, telepathic transmission. He said, I can think of an image in my head and through uh, acoustical bursts of compressed air within milliseconds I can make the same image appear in your head mm. right and I was thinking about like administration is like a really uh, uh, is, is a really 
inadequate word word to describe how magical the process is of changing the we sit there and we do our administration right mm-hmm. and we on the keyboard we manipulate symbols yeah these symbols these letters and we rearrange them and we move them around and put them in an email and through this kind of this sorcery of uh, uh, this occult kind of sorcery of of electricity and and digital programming it it zooms off into the ether and appears on the other side of the world and turns into perhaps eventually a bus moving or a taxi arriving or so so you so you you your or your food coming or your to food your food arriving <laughs> deli- the, the magic of delivery <laughs> Somebody would like to commission me for an article for a delivery advert. So it's like, uh, do you know what I mean? So yeah. Do you know the way you're speaking here? I I, used, I was a photographer. That's what I studied in. I, I didn't. I haven't studied in um, poetry at all. Right. Um, but the thing that captured my imagination when I was sixteen, seventeen, and started getting into photography. Yeah. Was magic, and it was Ooh. the way that what I really loved about it. And it was before the digital age, so there oh. wasn't any computers, but you could. Take a 3D object, you could press a button and that 3D object would float through time and space, the fourth uh-huh. dimension, uh-huh. and land on a two-dimensional plane, which you would then develop in the dark room, and uh-huh. it would come out. So you, you could literally take a 3D object and put it onto uh-huh. a flat plane. And that magic, it was the same as watching the sunrise. It was, especially mm. when you're in the dark room and, and this image starts to slowly appear in front of you. Mm. It was magical to me. I was mm. just like, this is, as soon as computers came about and instant imagery, I stopped taking pictures because it suddenly, there, there wasn't that same, uh, wow, what, you know, this is incredible, isn't it? Just through chemistry, mm. we are, made, we are I'm able to control something. And I lost my enthusiasm for it, not just going through university, which knocked it out of me, but I think also it was suddenly so democratic that everyone had a phone and everyone could do anything you wanted. Yeah. And all my friends who are photographers are, are losing work because actually the people can do it on their phones. And right, But that magic, right, you know, what yeah. I thought, that magic you were talking about, is it's amazing. You, know, you, you think of a picture in your head, you say the words and you don't even know where those words have come from you've stolen them from eons ago someone's Uh invented this language Uh that you've suddenly got and you say them out loud and they travel into someone else's ear and as you say and that picture that you've just is in their head and it's probably if you drew the picture on the page you'd probably draw the same thing it's a tradition language Corey Anton says the words that are in your mouth the the words that you use are the oldest things that you've come into contact with today so it's like the sum yeah. kind of total of human intu- intuition and imagination and, and conception is in this huge architecture of language that we're in. We're in the river of language. But it's interesting you say that, um, you know, you stopped doing photography when it became available. I mean, you could yeah. say the same about... Because, like, we, <clears throat> the, the, the plethora of digital communication means that we're awash yeah. with not just words, but images, images, but words and ideas, and it's like information now yeah, yeah, yeah. there's so much of it yeah. that it's completely uncontrollable and yeah. the news can't be tr- trusted you can't even look at an image now and, and, and know that it hasn't been doctored yeah, it's yeah. possible to look at a politician speaking and that could have just been created yeah. in a program right yeah. so we, we're living in a post there's so much information that we just can't make sense of it there's yeah. so much and also like word for language i mean it's just like everywhere isn't it and it's 
pretty much it's this is why i think we need more poetry now is like we need people who are going to be thinking about words doing words doing really really geeking out and spending a long time over assembling words words that words that are not just trying to get us to buy stuff or to distract us or to get yeah yeah you know yeah i mean but you said something about you know uh uh you know language we're borrowing language it's something very very old i i i always uh when i hear this idea of poets uh and it's something in the the poetry community of of having their words stolen by other poets Uh and i'm always thinking oh you know that we're just everyone's just stealing everything you know the whole language there's nothing i've ever written that that would not have been said before or right, spoken right. before, or the words, you know, otherwise I'd be writing it in Turkish or something, some other right. language, but I'm not, it's just, it's not mine. I always feel, especially a poem that goes down well with uh, the audience, they suddenly they've borrowed it or they've taken it and it's suddenly theirs and you're like, oh, I, di- I didn't own it anyway. It's just, it was there. You know, I wrote it down. I happened to write it down in that certain moment, in that certain way. Wow. And then when you deliver it across... It probably wasn't yours in the first place. The key, no, no, never was. Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. Who is it? I think it's T. S. Eliot who said it's like um, uh, uh, immature poets um, copy. Yeah. Mature poets steal. Yes. <laughs> okay. So exactly. when I do, do workshops in when I do workshops in in primary school, it's like yeah. Uh, steal don't copy don't make a carbon copy of something steal yeah, the idea I mean yeah, like yeah, you yeah. know the human condition yeah. only has a certain you know no, we're only here for about 50 to 70 years and, 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 and you know there's a narrow spectrum of stuff that happens you know you fall in love you, you have friends you, you breathe whatever it might happen you grow old and, and so, so all of those things they're ancient themes and we live in the most hyper individualistic culture that's ever existed yes. statistically I mean I can name like two studies to say that England is the most individualistic country right wow. so they identify most with the individual yeah. as opposed to the collective uh, in the world and is the most atomized country in europe that's to say that um we're the most isolated country in europe so wow. we're living so we have to really remind ourselves especially in yeah, the southeast yeah. of england yeah. that we are living in a pathologically uh, 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 individual culture where we think that um, it's you know we fetishize the self yeah, yeah. you know yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, and you see this in poetry a lot it's like it's like me and it's kind of me 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 poetry and that's yeah, okay yeah, authenticity yeah. is important yeah. but also I mean like the idea of, of doing poems about your own life is very very recent you look at the whole history mm. of the oral tradition I mean you, with the arrival of the romantics about 200 years ago you know had this idea of the authentic self and the, uh, and, and the person talking about their, their innermost feelings you know be, much of the poetry that's come before the modern industrial era has been has not come out of an individualistic culture so you've had people really they would never really do poems if you're in a tribal setting it would be quite unlikely for people to be doing poems about their own life yeah, yeah. they'd be doing the stuff that their that their fathers and their grandfathers and their fathers 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 had passed down to them about yeah. often about mythological themes universal themes but they would be doing it individualistically like they'd be yeah. doing it you know with their own spin and their no, own exactly. style yeah, yeah, and they'd yeah, be yeah. improvising it to the people yeah. in the room but yeah i mm, yeah, I know. We could, well, we I, I could carry on. I could ah. carry on about that and yeah, talk about other things. But I think it's a it's a really good place to stop. Yeah. Um, 
Stage Invasion is your book. Yeah. People can go and buy What else are you doing in the next few months or weeks that people can check out, or where can they find your stuff? I'm all over the place, basically. If you want to buy the book online, go to the Outspoken website uh, yeah. rather than Amazon, because um, Outspoken pay tax. Um, if you'd like to uh, buy it in person and, uh, and, and accompanied with a talk and a panel debate or whatever we're doing, I'm all over the place. Go on my website, Pete the Temp, and see the date. I'm travelling around the country... Um, Newcastle, West of England, London, uh, Midlands, off the top of my head. So, uh, yeah, come along. We're going to be doing talks, panel discussions, Q&As, all about this this really fascinating subject and talking about the work that people like you, Dan, are doing and why it's so important and why it's so intricate and fascinating. It's brilliant. There's so many brilliant individuals out there. Pete, one of them, as he said, buy off him in person, first of all. If you can't buy it in person, buy it from Outspoken because yeah. they're doing amazing work. They are indeed. Uh, and then, yeah, forget the big boys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you so much people. for coming. Oh, uh, mate, thank the, you so much for having been, me. It's been a real pleasure. It's been really beautiful. And we'll see all of you guys next time. Thanks very much. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Poet Waffle was written and presented by Daniel Cockrell. Original concept by Jack White. Music and audio production by Julian Ward. Artwork by Damien Wayhill. And technical support from Lowy Eaves.